My husband Wayne's family originated in Nova Scotia and is a mixture of French, Norwegian, and Mi'kmaq. These are his stories, and I'm publishing these with his permission. There have always been seers in his family through every generation. His mother isn't, but his grandmother was. She is unfortunately deceased. He has always seen ghosts since he was a young child and sometimes has been frightened, but hasn't encountered anything that meant him any harm. In fact, he currently has a dark shadow following him around that he sees out of the corner of his eye. He believes it to be the spirit of his dead father, but that's another story. This happened about ten years ago, at his ex-girlfriend's place. The house isn't anything special by any means, just a typical 1950s residential development house that matched all the others, ranch style with an unfinished basement that is primarily meant for storage. My husband is very handy with cars and a total gearhead. Gotta love him so he was helping her by repairing her car. He needed to get some tools that he had left down in the basement the night before and was walking down the staircase to get them. The staircase was wooden and narrow, typical of basement building for that time period. He was walking downstairs when the dark shadow of a man, of slight build, shoved past him and ran down the stairs in front of him. The shadow man actually knocked him against the wall. Now at this point, I would have been either one, screaming and running up the stairs like the wind, or two, crapping my pants. However, my husband, who has, shall we say, anger management issues, and hates people or anything, shoving him around, merely got into a fighting stance and challenged, Come here! At this, the shadow man turned around from the bottom of the stairs and seemed to stare at him before running off through the wall. Now, it was literally just a shadow, no features of any sort. At this point, he got his tools and went and complained to his girlfriend about her rude house ghost which surprised her as she had never had any ghostly encounters and had lived there all of her life. By the way, just so you know, he, he doesn't only see shadows. He's seen many ghosts in his time and even got a goodbye smile from the ghost of his grandmother on the night she passed away. They were very close. There is another story that he requested I add. There was an old abandoned house near the trailer park that his family would go to every summer, and one day his friend Dan and he decided to explore it. They went through the entire house, and it was in nasty shape. When they reached the attic, Wayne fell through the floor, and all the subsequent floors beneath it, all the way to the basement, yet miraculously he wasn't hurt, except for a few bruises and scrapes. When he sat up, he saw a young woman in period costume from about a hundred years ago. He was rather startled, to say the least. She asked him, Are you okay? He answered that he was fine. He wasn't sure what to make of her at his young age of fourteen. She then said in a firm voice, Good, now get out of my house. He assured her he would, found his friend, told him that they had to leave. They never returned. The Shadow in Delhi When I initially moved to Agra, I took a room in a guest house with the help of my father. It was a comfortable place. I was away from my parents and far away. To be precise, it was about 200 kilometers from Delhi. Initially, I used to miss my parents, but I enjoyed being by myself. The freedom, the lack of curfew, the night walks with my friends, looking at the Taj Mahal up close. Agra brought a sense of responsibility, yet fun. 
lots of learning and new friends for me. After two weeks of spending my time in the guest house, I realized I was paying too much, and thanks to my friends and colleagues, I got a rented house with only one level and a terrace. I moved there within three weeks of moving to Agra. So in my first month, I got busy moving everything over there with the help of my three new friends who also worked in the same hotel. Two of those girls were permanent employees and had been working in the hotel for the past couple years. Together with my friend Nandini, who had come for her internship at the same time, I moved into this new house. Everything was fine, but a little weird. The uncle who gave us this house to rent used to live one lane away from us in the same residential colony. First, the rent was quite affordable, yet the uncle never increased it, which he could have since there were four of us. No lease was signed, but just a handwritten agreement stating the number of days we would stay. Secondly, he gave us weird restrictions to follow within a secured colony. We were not supposed to walk on the upstairs terrace at all, especially in the evening. Furthermore, if we were even there by mistake, we had to be downstairs by 6 p.m. We were not supposed to walk in the lane right in front of our house at night. We were not supposed to be at home just by ourselves. There always had to be two people, at least, at all times. Yeah, you heard that right. Out of four of us, two had to be at home. The house cannot be left empty at all. He couldn't see the irony of the situation that he'd given us. We were hotel professionals and students. We'd rented the house. But I guess he needed the money. Especially since, and this is something he didn't tell us at the time, the house had been empty for more than a decade before we arrived. So, this was like a typical Bollywood horror movie premise. But only in our case, it was actually happening. Let me explain the layout of the home. At the entrance, there's a small cream-colored gate. After opening it, you walk and take a slight turn left. You get onto the few stairs and then to the main door of our house. After getting inside the home, you get into a large living room, and from the main door of the house, you can see the doors to the two bedrooms. The door to the left side bedroom leads to a smaller room with an attached bathroom. The second bedroom was larger in size, plus also had access to an open space where you could dry off your clothes. It faced directly east, so the second room was always much warmer. I remember spending more time in the second smaller room because of this. Even Nandini would spend more time there because of that. The other room had Yamini and Shweta, sleeping mostly. None of us believed in ghosts or the paranormal, but we all agreed that the house had some history behind it and there was a certain vibe there. Initially, we would ignore the random occurrences where things would be moved from one place to another. We didn't pay attention to the footsteps that we could all four hear sometimes in that open space. We always put it down to our ears ringing or echo coming from outside. Our house was sandwiched between two larger houses, the first house being three-storied and the other one four stories. So I always thought that maybe these footsteps, all the walking and all these other sounds could be due to those neighbors. I mean, it just made sense, right? That, however, never explained the things moving. I remember an eerie incident just like it happened a few moments ago. I was speaking to my cousin on the cell phone while taking a walk on my terrace in the evening, around 6 p.m. Yeah, I was breaking one of the golden rules. But I didn't realize it. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I used to pretty much walk or spend time reading on the terrace during my day off. Uncle never said we couldn't be on the terrace at daytime, so I pretty much took advantage of that. I loved being on that terrace, especially on those days when it would rain sporadically but very lightly. On the days when the weather was good, I remember sitting on the corner of the terrace. It felt odd because it was like someone was watching you. I would look around and I'd see nothing. Then, of course, I remembered my house is between two other giant houses. 
And I looked up and that's when I saw a man gazing at me directly from the three-story home on our left. Once I caught him looking at me, he looked away and then walked off. I could hear him after a few minutes speaking on his mobile phone. Of course, I couldn't hear the conversation, but that soft, constant mumbling was there. Obviously, paying attention to him meant I wasn't paying attention to my cousin on the phone. She kept saying, Tanya, you're not listening to me anymore. Your attention is somewhere else. And I apologized to her and said, no, I, was, I would be paying attention to her now. So she went back to giggling like her usual cheery self. I could no longer hear the mumbling of my neighbor. The air was still. The leaves and trees, which should rustle or move, they weren't. I felt more aware of my attention being on her. It was getting darker now, being almost 7 p.m. Out of nowhere, I started feeling tired, even though it was my day off, and I had just spent the whole day at home. I kept talking to my cousin and felt more heaviness. I started to feel lightheaded and could feel a migraine coming on. I tried to focus on my cousin's nonsensical chattering and giggles, and without even realizing that she was the only one keeping me sane. I was feeling this heavy emotion of being under constant scrutiny. I looked back to the house on the left to see if my neighbor was checking me out again, but he wasn't there. No one was there. I turned my head back. I remember again this feeling of being under someone's gaze, and then through my peripheral vision I saw a very dark shadow. Just a shadow entity sitting at the end of the terrace, diagonally across from me. Thankfully it was a large terrace, so there was a lot of space. Surely by now you've heard that you should never respond if someone calls your name or approaches you from behind at night. So I tried not to. I ignored the presence, but it was not going anywhere. I felt a soft breeze of air near my left temple. I still remember the sweat falling from the back of my neck towards my spine. I was shivering, but I was sweaty, and I felt a soft blow of air right at the top of my neck, like someone was standing behind me. I remember being tight-lipped on the phone and just nodding to whatever my cousin was chit-chatting about. Then finally, I saw the black entity or figure slowly get up. I still remember seeing it with my head turned slightly towards the door on the terrace. It began to glide towards me. I suddenly remembered what the landlord had told us and realized I had stayed out far later than I should. But it was too late. The entity was trying to close the space between me and it, and I felt frozen. If it wasn't for Yamini calling my name from downstairs over and over, I, I think that I would have been frozen still. I don't know what it wanted from me. In a moment I could hear everything again. All the sound flooded back into the world and I ran out of the door, leaving the terrace, back to the safety of the first floor. The worst thing is I touched it and I felt it. Because when I was running I didn't realize that it had managed to move into my path. I felt a drop in temperature and a touch on my left arm. After that, things were kind of a blur. I remember Yamini downstairs scolding and reminding me not to go to the terrace. I remember the landlord coming over right away and harshly rebuking me for being upstairs. I didn't say a word that night. I just ate my dinner, went to bed. I wish I could say that was the last of my experiences in that house, but it wasn't. The last incident was truly rattling. It was even scarier because this time, someone else also felt it. On the day in question, I finished my shift in the bakery at around 5pm. I still remember reading my book and going to bed around 10 o'clock at night. 
I got a call from Nandini telling me not to fall asleep until 11.30. Her shift would be finished around that time, so I said okay, and I went into the larger bedroom. Our other roommate, Yamini, was on night shift this particular evening, and the fourth girl had left the house a few days before after she had an argument with Yamini. So I was home alone. I know we weren't supposed to be home alone. I was trying not to fall asleep, so I started playing with my phone, and then Nandini came home a bit late, around midnight. She literally ran inside the room. She explained that after being dropped off by the hotel shuttle, some drunks on bikes had followed her. She cleaned up and came beside me to sleep. She was terrified, and I was really sad to see her in such a state. That day it rained hard, and I remember our room getting more humid at night. We kept the doors of our room open. Our nightmare lasted from quarter past twelve to around one thirty in the morning. It was a pure one and a half hours of terror. I still remember the time because I was listening to music to soothe my nerves. Just before it started, I was feeling drowsy. But my friend shook my arm and said, Can you hear that? Someone was scratching the door to our home. Like literally scratching instead of knocking. The scratches came every couple of minutes. It was light scratching at the beginning. Then that scratching turned to hard scratches. Out of fear, I asked her softly, Are those monkeys? I had just finished speaking those words when I heard a large, booming, knocking sound on our front door. We were both so scared that we couldn't even think. We considered trying to sneak up to the living room window to see who was at the door, but there was just no way because if we did, whoever was knocking would be able to see us. The knocking continued, however. And so finally, I asked my friend whether one of us should go and check who it is, and her being the braver of us said, I'll do it. I have to say, she was a damn loyal roomie and a good friend to me. She always took care of me like an older sister. She walked very slowly, and without even moving the makeshift curtain over the windows, went to the far right corner. She looked outside, and then moved back to the room. Now let me tell you one thing. During all this time, the knocking on the door never stopped. Not for a moment. When she got back, I whispered to her, Who's outside? And just as I did, the knocking got harder and harder. Again, it was like something out of a horror movie. Instead of replying, my friend literally pushed me down further onto the mattress and covered my mouth with her hand. She whispered softly into my ear, There's no one outside. Whatever it was, it knew we were there and it could hear us. The banging on our door kept happening for another full ten minutes, but it seemed so much longer. Out of nowhere, the noise stopped, but then we could hear it clearly getting onto the stairs leading to the terrace above. Then we could both hear the footsteps clanging noisily on the stairs as it went up. Those stairs are iron, so one can clearly hear if anyone goes upstairs, even if you're barefoot. Those heavy footsteps on the iron stairs kept going until 1.30 in the morning. There was walking, then someone dragging from one side to the other, then there were scratching and inhuman screams. I had never heard such noises. I was so scared that I was sweating all over, and I told my roomie, I, I can't even sleep. Even she physically felt ill. Then the scratches started in the walls of our room. We realized that whatever this is, it's not a person. It's not human. It's something evil, and it has very bad intentions for us. My friend whispered as to whether or not we should call the landlord. 
At this point, I was ready to run outside and curse the spirit to hell. I started having this intense pain at the center of my forehead, and I asked my friend to call the landlord. It took several times, but he finally answered, and she asked him to come quickly and check the terrace as there were a lot of noises happening. He arrived no more than 15 minutes later with not only his son, but a couple neighbors. I guess he figured there were safety in numbers. But those 15 minutes waiting, man, they were not good. I was less scared because I knew he was coming, but the knocking and the jeers and the scratching kept happening and increased to an absolutely unbearable level. I closed my eyes and ears and was tightly holding my friend's arm in fear. At one point, I knew that the entity was inside with me in the room. I felt it beside me, trying to touch and come closer. I remember having tears drop down my cheeks. After two years of dealing with weird feelings and that strange terrace and now this, I finally felt myself breaking. My friend put her arm around me and hugged me close. Her own beliefs seemed to be shattering at that point too. She just kept saying to me, it has no power and you were here with me. Nothing will happen. Believe in whatever God you believe in. At that point, I realized I don't believe in God, but I believe that my parents' blessing will always protect me. That's when I started to feel a calmness inside me. Despite the entity being so close, I felt safe and protected. Thankfully, then the landlord arrived and went upstairs with his son. My friend went upstairs along with him, but she was standing on the landing. She didn't go all the way up to the terrace. She came back, and then the landlord came downstairs too. He said, there's nothing there. It's empty. But he again gave us a reminder never to go upstairs and told us that he had tied a sacred thread at the knob of the door to the terrace and it is now closed permanently for us. His family friend even blessed around the house and its stairs. The landlord then informed us that the house used to belong to a Sardar guy who lives in Delhi but left the home for undisclosed reasons after buying it. It used to be that I was a non-believer. I'm not anymore. I believe there are positive and negative energies around us. It is up to us to open our eyes and not believe everything we see. And just about the only good thing I can say about it is no matter how scared I've been in the years since then, nothing will ever come close to the terror I felt that night. The Demon Girl Unlike my mom, my dad has never been very supportive with me and my problems with the supernatural. There was a time when I used to spend three days a week at his house, and I dreaded going there because of the girl with the black hair I constantly saw there. She would wake me from my sleep in the middle of the night and just stare at me, unblinking and unmoving. Just staring. It unnerved me that she would wake me up just to stare at me, and I would slowly pull the covers over my face and try my best to sleep. One night, my dad told me he'd be working overtime. I had just gotten back from basketball practice and decided I wanted to watch a movie in my dad's room. He has a big flat screen TV in his room. So I turned off all the lights in the house and went into my dad's room to watch a movie. I never liked being alone there, but watching movies always kept me from thinking of the scarier things that might lurk there. However, before I had even chosen my movie, I got an uncomfortable feeling of being watched. I looked behind me to see no one, just my dog TJ, who suddenly jumped up from his sleep and began glowering in the direction of the hallway. I didn't want to believe anything was out in the hallway, especially since I was alone at home, but I could just feel it. I knew the little girl was in the hallway and she wouldn't leave until I acknowledged her presence. So I got up from the couch, my dad has a pretty big room to himself, calmed down TJ, 
and walked to the bedroom door. It felt as if I were paralyzed. My hand was resting on the door handle for at least two minutes before I got the guts to open the door, and right when I did, there she was, leaning against the wall and staring at me menacingly. She looked different from all the other times I'd seen her. This time she looked as if a dark cloud were surrounding her and I could feel her hatreds towards me. I don't know why she hates me, why she constantly tries to hurt me, and I knew right then she wanted to hurt me. I flipped on the hallway light, it was the nearest one to me, right above my head actually, and it exploded. That freaked me out more than anything else. The girl disappeared, but I was left shaking. I called my mom and told her everything that had happened. I knew that if I told my dad, he wouldn't believe me, and he would tell me I was a liar, and I didn't want to deal with that right now. I wanted to go back home, back to my mom's. I felt like I wasn't safe in my dad's house anymore. And in all honesty, I was not planning on staying there that night after what had happened. When my mom came to pick up me and my dog, she gasped when she saw my face. I hadn't noticed it, but I had a long, shallow cut on the side of my head. I guess it happened when the light bulb exploded. It scared me to think the girl could hurt me like that. I'd already felt her choke me, but never thought she could make things explode and cut my eyes or my face. I'm still freaked out about it to this day, and the night I left my dad's, I told him I wasn't going to stay there again because of that spirit. Of course, he thought I was lying.